topics covered here are for conversational purposes only and do not constitute financial advice. Please contact Mulcane Co. to receive advice on all matters from one of our professionals. Welcome along, everybody, to episode 14 of the FS360 podcast. You've got your hosts here today, Gavin Nash, alongside Chris Mulcahy. G'day, Chris. G'day, Gav. How are you going? Not bad. Looking pretty snappy in the black mask you've got on there, no, surgical mask. Got to do the right thing. All you must be doing up. a bit of surgery out the back there yeah, somewhere on yeah. people's accounts, maybe. Yes, you could say that. Yeah, yeah a bit like that at the moment. Uh, the, well, the whole office has got masks on, I suppose. Everyone's got them on yeah. Victoria-wide, haven't we, at the moment, so... Yeah, look, there aren't too many in the office at the moment, but yeah, those that are are doing the right thing and masking up and yep. um, trying to flatten the curve. We've been separating all the staff here as well, haven't we? So desk-wise, everyone's sitting apart and that sort of stuff. A few extra people have gone home to work. So I think... Very compliant. Uh, talking to a few customers actually in this last little bit, and a lot of people finding this lockdown a lot easier to deal with from a business point of view, kids schooling, that sort of stuff, just because we've been through it once... It, do you, are you finding yeah, that with so. your conversations? Look, yeah, look, I do think that's the case. Everyone's adapted to it. You know, after um, lockdown one, I suppose that was a bit of a shock to the system. But number two, and we saw it coming too, really, didn't we, with what was happening in Melbourne. I think the frustration levels are certainly reasonably high, but we've yep. just got to deal with it now. And different with this time around too is we've got an end date. I think, you know, the six-week is the middle of September. So I think we're all sort of working towards that, aren't we, pretty much? And judging by, like, today's Thursday, the 13th of August, I think today the cases were right down in the 200s in Melbourne, so or Victoria-wide. So that, that's much, much lower. So it's very encouraging. Hopefully by doing all these things, we're, we're getting on top of it. Yeah, that's right. And I think, too, you know, it has changed. And as we've been through this whole uh, process since the middle of March, really, there's just been constant change. So... Even towards the end of June, we were sort of thinking about that whole JobKeeper system and it was going to start getting wound back and maybe for some industries it wouldn't actually get through to the end of September. So now we're seeing, thanks to Victoria, well, you know, it's going to be there for quite a while now. Well, on that topic, Chris, we're welcoming a special, special guest here today. I said special twice because he's a very special person. He's but a he's big. This he's, is big. He's big, yes. And uh, we've been um, waiting for him to arrive on the podcast and a lot of requests on the social media accounts. When is Simon Bennett coming along? So we welcome Simon along today. Welcome, Simon. G'day, Gavin. Chris, how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. It's good to be uh, finally here and finally get along. That just means Simon's the 13th, 14th most important person around here because he's only on the 14th episode. <laughs> well, you could sort of put it that way or you could sort of say we've been, you know, just trying to get it right. We've been practising a lot. Yep. Or our number of listens have dropped dramatically, Gavin. We had to pull out the big guns. Or, you know, this guy's so sought after we just couldn't get him until now. That yeah, could like, be another thing. So. Look, he has got a very busy schedule. So to actually get him in here and, you know, put that half hour aside... Yeah, you know, it is a pretty big... Uh, Very hard to yeah. get. And he is, um, Simon, you've been busy down at the Geelong office too. Yes, no. Of late in the last 12 months. Yes, no, usually head down there a day a week or so um, down there. So we're just transitioning clients, um, software and uh, procedures and everything like that and staff over there. And we've probably had the challenges of um, a few female staff as well. Um, so they've helped out with their kids working from home and reshuffling the, you know, PCs and everything like that. We've been out of the office, back in the office and then out again. Um, so, yeah, as Chris said, I think it's been a, a bit easier this time. But, um, yeah, the kids probably still – same challenges with the kids, I think. <laughs> getting yeah. Them, getting them to actually learn and not, not jump off the, uh, off the learning and onto the iPad games. Yeah, that's right. No, look, our, our kids have sort of, yeah, adapted reasonably well. But, 
Um, two out of the three would definitely rather be at school. One's pretty cruisy and happy to be just, you know, doing what he has to do and then um, fills in the day some other way. So it's yeah. sort of interesting sort of seeing how they all adapt differently to it. My kids are a bit funny. Like they want to stay up late at night. Like it's a weekend night or whatever. They want to stay up till 11 o'clock and then say, oh, no, well, I don't have to get up until 8.20 because then I've just got to get up and turn the computer. I'm like, hey, you've got to get up and have a shower and <laughs> get yourself kind of woken up, have something to eat. No, they just want to get up and roll out of bed and just turn the computer on. So, well, my youngest daughter's been putting her uniform on. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, just to sort of you know really get in that um, yeah, group it's way to go all. in yeah. the zone. We've yeah. we've had a few rush mornings with the top half just for Webex, so no other <laughs> parents. We don't have the parent shame of sending our kid to school at home in their pajamas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, probably like some of the Zoom meetings, Simon. You know, <laughs> yeah. as long as the top half's yeah business, yeah, sort of party uh, looks party. all right. The rest of it's party down the bottom. I must admit, <laughs> I've had a few Ugg boot, Ugg boot uh, Zoom meetings this last lockdown. Really? Yes, Ugg yeah, boots. yeah. Just got the Ugg boots on at home, nice and warm, you yeah. know. But no one can see the Ugg boots in the Zoom meetings, so why not? Yeah, now you say that it has been a bit chilly of late down here in Victoria. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for a few of us, not being able to get up to some sunshine. So I think, you know, we've got a really rough week or two ahead of us by the look of the weather reports. So, yeah, we'll have to try and get through. And um, Simon, we've got you in today to be our resident expert in the JobKeeper 2.0. So we're going to run through a couple of um, key stats that the JobKeeper 2.0 might be um, valuable for our listeners to um, find out about, Simon? Yeah, so there's a few changes probably in the last couple of weeks on that. Um, Obviously, with Victoria going back into lockdown again, they needed to do something and give some confidence to business um, to help them out. So probably the first one that got changed, which will come into effect soon, was um, employees previously needed to have started pre-1st of March, um, so to get into the JobKeeper scheme. They've now moved that to 1st of July. Um, So that'll kick off from the 3rd of August. Um, but we're just waiting on the um, parliament to, to uh, approve that at the moment till that to, to come in. Um, and they're proposing that we'll be able to then back pay staff to the 3rd of August to get them in for this month that we're currently in. Um, so I think that'll be really good for those people that have changed jobs um, because they might have been, you know, put off on their other one, started now, um, and they're sort of now with stand downs coming again, they're probably the first ones to be put off and without pay because they can't get JobKeeper through their employer. So I think it'll be really good for those guys to have some certainty and um, hopefully get into that system. Yeah, it also gives businesses a lot of confidence too, doesn't it, to sort of know that even though they might have put someone on since that March date, that they will still qualify. Because the last thing you want to do is put someone on and all of a sudden they're, you know, their business is affected with what's happening now and they've got to put them off. You know, they'll probably start that training process just got him into the system and then all of a sudden, oh, God, you know, this is this has happened. So, yeah, look, I think that's a really good change and there's no reason why government wouldn't pass that, you wouldn't think. No, no, I think it's just obviously got to go through the formal side of it um, and get approved and then we can get the ball rolling with it. But, um, yeah, I think it'll be a very good thing to get him in and that'll get him in through till um, towards the end of September um, and then probably that's where the JobKeeper 2.0 kicks in um, with some changes from there and... Um, it'll be a full reassessment. So anyone who's been on this current one will have to be reassessed for the next one. Um, so yeah. getting to that. So just to clarify, Simon, so does that new date for employment apply to JobKeeper 1? Yes, yep, yep, yep. So they'll come in now. So as at um, 3rd of August, they'll be able to start getting the minimum 1500 per fortnight from their employer um, if yeah, if they don't normally receive that. Right through um, the end of September. Yeah. Yep. If they're over that each fortnight, their wages won't change, but it'll just obviously assist their employer 
um, in keeping the business ticking along. So no, that's good. Um, yeah, but basically the, the next one then changes. So it's a full, yeah, as I say, full application again. So if you've been on it previously, um, it runs through to end of September 28th, I think it is. Um, and then you'll have to reassess again um, when it comes around to for the December quarter and they'll it'll run for the full December quarter. So you obviously need to um, reapply based on your, your figures for September quarter, um, comparing that to um, last year, September quarter. Um, you need that to show that 30% drop again in the full quarter this time. So they can actually, I guess, look at the BAS return now um, to check your GST lodgement to see that you're actually have had that job, that drop. So And it, that's a big change from JobKeeper 1 because it was only the one month. You exactly. had to just qualify for yep. the one month in JobKeeper 1. Now it's you've got to, you've got to have a quarter, so three, yeah. months, three months. Yep, yeah. exactly. You've got to have that full quarter. So that's where I guess it'll go to probably – previously there might have been reason, other reasons other than COVID where people got in um, and that was perfectly fine because that was what the rules were. Um, but I think this one will really focus on ones that are directly affected by the um, by the lockdowns now of stage four and even stage three um, in regional Victoria. So, is it a way? Is it being introduced that way? Do you think to try and try and really drill down to those businesses that definitely, definitely need it? Yeah, definitely. Over time? Yep, and yep. so that the, I suppose they're spending billions of dollars. The federal government so it can be put into the right spots. Exactly, and I think it's also because there's Victoria with stage four, stage three lockdowns, and then rest of Australia. Um, you know, they're all going to the footy and having a time of their lives at the moment from our point of view. So, um, yeah, it's really to focus on the states that are having the issues and New South Wales might find themselves in a similar boat by the time we get to one of those, you know, JobKeeper 2 as well. Um, so at least it's in place for them and they know if we do get to it, they've got some confidence that they can get some stimulus measures to, yeah. um, you know, keep their business going. And, and I think it was also the realisation that Victoria is such an engine room for the whole country. Like there's so much um, industry that yep. happens in Victoria and there is that big reliance. So even though it might be the, the employees here who are affected or the businesses and the employees that are affected, there is going to be that flow on to the other states, isn't there? So the JobKeeper had to apply across the whole country. Yeah, exactly. I think even now there's been some comments in the media the last few days about even the farmers trying to get produce and get workers down for fruit picking and, and things like that as well. With those border restrictions, it's really causing some headaches. Um, and getting supplies, I even saw um, a lot of supplies come to Melbourne from international um, and then get distributed around Australia, um, even for... Even though they shut down their hold and we're trying to get some parts around um, to other areas, so you know, obviously for the servicing and repairs and that, which couldn't actually get transported into other states. So, um, yeah, we are we are sort of really that hub of yep of uh, you know that side of side of the economy. So Simon, um, thanks for the little update there, JobKeeper 2.0. So there's lots of other sort of um, items uh, to think about with JobKeeper 2.0. So can you run us through some of those for us? Yeah, so it gets a bit more complicated um, this time around. So previously it was a flat 1500 per fortnight, so it was fairly easy. Um, all your staff need to be receiving that, that were on JobKeeper. If they normally receive less than that, they need to be topped up. If they're over that, you obviously just get the full subsidy of the 1500 Um as at the next quarters, um, they're going to drop for people over 20 hours a week. We'll go down to 1,200 per fortnight. Um, and to sort of stop that issue where there was a lot of um, casual and part-time workers that actually wouldn't normally get 750 or 1,500, 750 a week or 1,500 a fortnight, were then actually getting topped up. And some of them were, weren't even going to work or, you know, doing those hours. And they had 
people that were getting 1,500 themselves and working every hour of it. Um, so it sort of just was that real um, disparity between those and creating a lot of issues for employers as well um, to try and get people to do the extra hours to fill up those where they wouldn't normally or, you know, things like that. So they've, yeah, moved that down to now 750 per fortnight um, if you do do less than 20 hours a week. Um, so just to make it probably a bit more reasonable of what reimbursement you're getting. Um, fairer, fairer, fairer way of spending the government money, isn't it? Oh, exactly. So, yep. Because yep. I think we all had those stories of someone that was on 150 bucks a week and all of a sudden they're on 750. Yeah, yeah. Got a pay rise. Um, a similar amount of hours. Yep. So, yeah. So that's it, great that that's, I mean, that's probably what everyone expected that the second round would include something like that. Yeah. And I think the previous one was such a, a system on the fly. Like they they had, you know, no, no sort of, uh, forecast of it all happening like it did um, and they had to sort of do something on the run and I think they just picked a figure and went with it and and as it's gone on I think there's been a lot of um, yeah probably communication from other other areas where that might have been you know probably not the right way to do it and they've adjusted accordingly um, so yeah that'll go to 750 for those ones that are under um, 20 hours a week and then so that'll run through all for the um, December quarter and then it's almost a JobKeeper 3.0 then for, for the March quarter. Um, so that'll then drop to $1,000 for over 20-hour-a-week employees um, and six fifty per fortnight for, for um, under it. So, so yeah. I suppose the government's predicting there that hopefully we're, we're getting on the other side of this thing by then. Like if we've had a bit of a peak, which has happened recently probably mm. in Victoria, yep. hopefully by the March quarter things are starting to improve a bit. Yeah, exactly. And probably just trying to reduce the payments as they go to – slowly wean businesses off off the supplements as well um, so they can sort of, yeah, get to that point where they're standing on their own own feet again and hopefully bouncing back. Yep. Um, yeah, once we once we get the virus under control. Have you had many um, many clients in here, Simon, just from, you know, your own personal experience, you deal with a lot of businesses and uh, people around. So have you had a lot of people qualify for the JobKeeper? Yeah, there's been quite a few. Um, obviously, there's the ones directly affected. Um, so, you know, hospitalities, cafes, pubs, tourism, um, yeah. tourism um, those ones that were actually shut down. Um, and then, yeah, probably at the start, there was, you know, beauty, hairdressers, uh, massage as well. Um, then there was probably others that, that might have got in, I guess, that had a, a bit of a slump, but weren't sort of in the lockdown. Um, but a lot of them, it's, yeah, like without this, I think it's it would have been very difficult for them to, to keep going um, to get it. It was initially tricky with the um, where they were forced to obviously back pay staff to to then get it. Um, they had to sort of pay for the month and then receive it. But now it's in the system and it's rolling. And we sort of had that bounce back in Victoria where we were open again, trading. Um, and I think sales were quite good during that period. Um, so a lot of them made headways into that lost time. Um, and now, yeah, now we're going back into it. Yeah, they're probably better prepared, I think, this time coming around. They, with those, you know, pubs, restaurants, um, a lot of them are in the delivery setup now um, and mode, but the challenge is probably everyone's in that mode now and everyone's got it set up. So um, there was probably a lot more of them this time around, I think, um, is, yeah, is the side of it. I yeah. suppose a lot of those businesses needed time to get their IT sorted or their ordering system or whatever, even just their own internal processes with staff. So, yeah, this time around it seems to have been a little bit more smooth. Yeah, I think everyone sort of knew what to expect with it um, this time. And there was probably a lot more fear in that first one because it was a very unknown. 
for business and also I guess just from a personal side of people's health as well. Um, people probably locked their doors and just stayed in a lot more, whereas people are yeah probably out and about to within restrictions, but out and about a bit more this time around um, because I think they sort of. Yeah, with the measure, other measures we've got in place, you know, you're obviously still sanitising your hands and masks and everything like that. I think it's given people a bit more confidence to still go and see, you know, if they need to go and see someone, um, a health professional, or if they need to go out and get it, want to get a delivered, a uh, pickup meal or something like that, they they will. Um, whereas I think the first time around, they probably weren't doing that. I think the streets were a lot quieter that time, which obviously affected, um, you know, business that relies on people coming coming to their premises. And it makes you think, like, for the next thing that happens, you know, we're in coronavirus at the moment, but, you know, look, let's say something else happens in two or three years' time that <laughs> government's been through it, we've all been through it. Look, if something similar happens or if some other major thing happens, we're all going to be a bit more prepared for it because, as you've said on a previous podcast, Chris, the last 20, 25 years have been really, really good, you know, from a business point of view. Yeah, that's right. I suppose, you know, if you look at when we were in last recession, which was the early 90s, wasn't it? So that's a long time ago. Yeah, so it's just an interesting time and like even we had three or four businesses register and qualify for JobKeeper this week. So as we've been saying the whole time through, don't just think because you aren't on JobKeeper now, it doesn't mean you're not going to get it. You can keep looking at your figures and uh, qualifying under your current – yeah, depending on how, how your business is performing. So I think that's the important thing because those businesses were right initially and, look, they had contracts that sort of kept their income up to a certain figure so they couldn't qualify but since then things have started to drop off a bit. So or they've got through that work, that contracted work exactly. and all of a sudden the next contracts aren't coming through or whatever. Yeah, so they were sort of starting to get really concerned but, yeah, this whole qualification with um, – JobKeeper is just a bit of a saving grace, really, that, you know, it just gives them a bit of certainty. Otherwise, they would certainly have been looking to lay people off now So because the work just wasn't going to be there. So, uh, like, at least now they can sort of manage through this next three, six, nine months. Um, and, yeah, it, just, it, it really just gives them a bit of certainty moving forward. Even, as you say, anyone that um, qualifies this week or last week for JobKeeper 1, you know, they're going to get payments back, backdated a little bit plus right through to the end of next month so it's not nothing is it like even if you got eight weeks or nine weeks of JobKeeper payments for your staff and you didn't qualify out for JobKeeper too well it's something isn't it in, that's right in your uh in the account that helps things tick over and take that pressure off yeah. hey, hey Simon has there been any changes with cash flow boost or is that still under the original system yeah so they're always still be on the original system so um up to fifty thousand dollars um pre-june and now it's starting to flow through on um, buses and IASs through to October. Um, so you'll effectively get mirrored what you got in the uh, July, January to, July, to June um, period. You'll effectively get mirrored then in that next July to October period. So if you went up to the full $50,000 in the first period, you'll then get that, um, that credit on your ATO account for the, for the next period, um, which will drip through all the way through to October. Um, with that, so that's still that's probably a forgotten one that's really helping out. Um, so obviously covers your pay as you go withholding that you put on your IASs or BAS um, return. So um, yeah, it can be quite sub- substantial while you're still paying JobKeeper and withholding tax off that um, to then get those credits on the ATO account and not have to pay those as well. Um, yeah, it's it's obviously a very very beneficial. Um, yeah, stimulus measure. Yeah, because it's one of those things that there are businesses that have, you know, that have been really impacted by all of this since day one, basically. But there's been 
businesses too that have been able to tap into these stimulus measures and their cash flow position is pretty good. But I guess it's just that bit of confidence that they've got to really plan for the future, isn't it? To sort of have that bit of assistance, you know, their business is ticking along okay, but they can really see that there's some challenges ahead. So it's just allowing that time to prepare, have that money in the, you know, set aside in the bank just so that you are ready for those tougher times. Yeah, exactly. And if, if like, we get to end of March and we this is just the new norm where we have rolling rolling sort of lockdowns and we're in and out, effectively you've got that um, that up your sleeve if you if you have been able to set it aside, um, yeah, to sort of hit then. And if there isn't any more stimulus measures available, you've got that, that cash then to, um, you know, to get you through the next Yeah, yeah that's right. Wave. Because we can see what's happened over in New Zealand you know, in the last, what, 24 hours. Like yep. they hadn't had a case for how long and then all of a sudden, yep. all of a sudden they think it's been um, carried across there with yeah, uh, refrigerated food or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. frozen yep. food coming yeah. in off the ship. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things. I think there's just going to be a continuation of what what's happening. You know, there'll be – Victoria's in trouble now but there's nothing to say within a couple of months and other states yep. not experiencing what we're experiencing at the moment. So, yeah, it's a bit of a – you know, sad reality, but that's probably how things are shaping up until such time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What we've probably spoken about is all the, the federal stimulus measures. Um, Victorian government then announced when they put us into the first stage of uh, metropolitan lockdown that there's a five, an additional $5,000 grant available for businesses in that area. Um, so and that was just applied through the, the same measures as previous. A um, few more th- hurdles to, to apply for, a few bit more information this time around, I think, so they can actually see whether... You do meet eligibility. Um, so that was announced. Um, when they announced then that six-week stage three lockdown for Melbourne was going to extend to a stage four for another six weeks, they then increased that from five to $10,000. Um, so anyone in that area with the business um, needs to be paying staff um, and obviously have a premises, yeah, they'll be eligible for now that $10,000. It doesn't include people like sole trader, someone that works out of the van, that sort of thing. That's not (coughs) going to assist them. One of the requirements is um, employing people and having a a work cover number. So I guess if you did trade um, and you were the only employee but you were actually an employee, not a a business owner in your your business and had work cover policy, um, that you might be able to get in for that one potentially as well. Um, and as part of that one, when they put regional Victoria into stage three, um, they announced a further $5,000 grant for, for those areas as well. Um, same conditions apply with that one too. So you need to prove, um, need to show a work cover number, um, have some rates or utility bills um, addressed back to that business address um, and also need to be on um, currently on JobKeeper with it as well. So, um, But it's all... All uh, handy to, yeah, try and put in that war chest, I think, which was spoken about early on, like just sort of <clears throat> locking away those funds, um, yeah, to try and roll with it as we, as we go. I think the Vic government's been pretty quick at getting those out. Um, I know Jody was talking to Jody, our, um, runs our Queensland office, that um, she had a few clients apply for the Queensland one and they were surprised at how quickly the state governments did actually give that money out once you, once you applied and were approved. It was only a matter of days and the money was in your account. So, yeah, and I've had, heard something similar with the Vic grants from last time as well. So, yeah, anyone that's in that Melbourne lockdown area for sure or regionally for the 5000 yeah. yeah, yep. And I guess it sort of goes hand in hand. If you can sort of still continue to get some rent relief, um, job keeper for your employees, you've got a few things covered there. 
Um, and then if you can get that $10,000, it obviously goes to helping, you know, just cover utility bills and things like that that you're going to have to pay whether you're in there or not. So do you think, Som, the Vic Grant, like this second time around, um, I know with the first one the application process was relatively straightforward but there were a few strange situations where people weren't getting paid because of business name registrations weren't in place or their registrations had lapsed. Like it was a registration with ASIC or something like that which didn't really seem to make sense that we're not going to pay you because you haven't got this registration in place. So I, I know that has frustrated a lot of the sole traders and probably smaller partnerships that really needed the money but couldn't get it due to this technicality? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was sort of based on, I guess, and it could be an old registration that you had floating around from a previous business or something like that um, or even previous industry that you initially had got into and then have changed since. Um, where they were sort of assessing it based on your industry and saying, well, you're not actually affected by stage three on the first go. Um, so, you know, you're not, not eligible for the $10,000. Um, but they, I guess it probably got fixed a bit with then bringing in, if you're eligible for JobKeeper, you could get the $10,000 no matter what. Um, that made it a bit easier. So it sort of took out that whole business name side of it a bit. But, yeah, it was frustrating. They were using their records on another area that didn't sort of relate to where I guess we usually, um, you know, look entity names and ATO names. It was from, I guess, their their sort of side of things with ASIC. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit frustrating with a few of those and they took took a while to uh, to get through but I think we got most of them through in the end. Yeah, I think we – and I think it's another situation though where these government agencies were really up against it and trying to do the right thing from day one and had a fair bit of pressure on them. I think we got a message last week, late last week, that if you hadn't received the 10000 you probably weren't going to receive it under the first round. And actually, Gav, this was going to be my win of the week. On Tuesday night, I was sitting just, you know, going through a few emails and all of a sudden all these emails started appearing from Business Victoria or wherever they came from. Six came through. On the one night? Yep, within... So someone was just down there hitting accept, I think, and I was yeah. just hoping that they'd keep going. But six clients that I thought, no, nah, look, they're not going to receive this $10,000. Yep. They came through within a matter of probably three or four minutes. I got six in a row. Yep. So, like for someone like Homer Simpson down there just hitting the yes button. Yeah, that's just right. over and over again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. I thought they were done and dusted and I'd rang them up and said, oh, look, sorry, it looks like they're not going to come through and then – Within uh, four or five happy, days, they made clients. a liar of me. So, yeah. Which... had some happy clients Wednesday morning, Chris. Definitely, definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Look, we're moving on to one of our regular segments now called our recession-busting tip of the episode. So we've had 12 of these already, Chris and Simon. So they're up on the website. Jump onto the FS360 podcast page on the Mulcahy website to read what they are. But this week, our tip 13 is to have a COVID plan. So I'm going to throw it to Simon and he's going to explain what it, what we mean by that. Yeah, so I think um, having something in place that gives uh, customers comfort that they can go to your, your store, your business um, and be safe. Everyone will have a mask on. Everyone's using, you know, gloves, sanitisation. Um, customers are keeping keeping away and limits on customers in, in the store, um, things like that, and just communicating it before you get to the store. I think on your social media, website, emails, um, things like that, just to give customers comfort they can go there and they know what your system is they don't have to try and learn it once they're there um, and they're not going to be standing outside in the cold while they wait for you know customer number five leave so you can walk in um, just that there's 
it's it's hard with that, but just having something in place, I think that everyone knows. I'm going there. Yep, we've got a they've got a COVID safe plan in place, and it's well communicated. Um, and probably yeah, hours of trade, um, things like that as well. Um, when you're open, I think a lot of um, we were talking earlier, a lot of people. Um, Businesses have got different, probably different hours than what they would normally would just at the moment. So just updating probably that side of things as well, um, just so you, yeah, letting customers know that you're still open and and um, when to come. Because there will be a fair percentage of the customers probably googling first, just to sort of see if you are open. And I think they are using that information as their basis whether or not they go to your place of business or not. Yeah, exactly, and especially with the the higher risk, um, like obviously we've seen. The, the risks are in, in probably the um, elderly or underlying health condition people. So um, I think especially for, for those to give them comfort that they can come to your store and, you know, you're not going to have someone standing right next to you or breathing down your neck, you, you know, things like that, that it's all things are in place to, you know, keep safety for staff and for, um, for customers. Yeah, because I, I uh, think you do feel more comfortable when you do go into a shop or a place of business and they are taking it seriously. Like there is mm. a sanitizer, everyone's got their masks on, just doing the right thing. There's that, you know, that distance between the, you know, the um, benches or wherever you, you know, where the customers are standing and so forth. So I think it is one of those things that people do appreciate or your customers do appreciate when you are going to those lengths to make everyone safe. I think we said in a previous episode too, Chris, that it's a lot cheaper to keep your current customers than just trying to attract new customers. So that's having a good COVID plan, I think, you know, with updating your opening hours on not just your website but on Google, your Google My Business page up on your social media accounts. It just means that there's, um, you know, you're, you're more of a chance of getting those repeat customers coming back rather than, oh, look, you know, I might get someone brand new out of an ad I put in the paper or whatever. So I think... Encouraging that return customer is only going to be encouraged more if you've got these measures in place. So that's a great tip, Simon, COVID plan. And um, look, we did speak earlier about this tip, but it's currently called COVID, you know, so we'll call it a COVID plan. But really that's a plan around making sure that you've always got your offerings of your business communicated. So that's whether you've got your menu up on your website or you've got your um, – you can book on your um, – on your, on your Facebook page or whatever you, you're up to. So communication. Making sure yeah. you've got those channels open. So, exactly. Um, and I think people like to look pre, you know, pre-going there to know what they're going to eat or you yeah. know, buy or what the offerings are as well. So to be able to have readily available information there um, helps make your decision to go to that, that business, I think. Um, and look, no one wants to be a Karen, do they? No one's going to go in there and <laughs> sort of refuse to put the mask on or... Cause all that sort of... We need, to get, we need to get Karen in next week. Hang on, here's Karen. That's Karen out of Bunnings. <laughs> we might have Karen on next week, possibly, Chris, just to, um, just to give us the rundown on how she's feeling. But there's been, been a lot of good Karen stories around, a lot yeah. of good Karen videos around. Yeah. So little, um, little um, uh, people taking them off, you know, comedians taking off Karen and whatever. It's been awesome. No, it has been the the lightning sort of the mood a bright in, the, spark. in everything. A bright, a bright spark, spark in, everything in the COVID plan. On. Thanks, Simon. That's great. That's uh, our recession busting tip of the episode. But now we're going to throw over to Chris for our twenty two things we've learnt in twenty two years. Gav, I'm not sure about this music. I have to laugh. Is this what you've been working on for the whole week? I have to laugh to everyone because for 12 episodes I've edited after the the account, after us recording. Now I've got all the sounds in my little dashboard here. So I'm hitting buttons like I'm a DJ. Happy Uh, days. 
Now, this one's pretty obvious, but what we've really found over 22 years, but even more important now, is the use of technology, how we're using it and how we're using it to get to where we need to get to. But importantly, in these tough times, how useful it's been, particularly, you know, we talk about the job keeper and all that sort of thing. If we didn't have the technology we've got now, it would be chaos, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. And the ability just even in our office to be able to move monitors from home, you know, run a laptop into the monitor so you can almost have the workstation at home um, and remote back in or use um, online technology like Xero um, and Workflow Max, which we use, um, has just made it a breeze, I guess, to be able to move with it um, quite quickly and, um, yeah, be able to have staff continue working as well where they need to be at home or um, homeschooling or that. So um, yeah, I think the ability to have that technology in place has been really good. Yeah, so I, I think it's something that we've always had and it's evolved over time, but I think, yeah, the importance of it now um, for a business, and it doesn't matter what industry you're in or what type of business you're trying to run, and look, even the whole Zoom meetings and Skype meetings and so forth, look, that's just going to how, you know, we do communicate a lot from here on in. So I think everyone's got to embrace it, which I think they're doing. We're probably being forced to do it in a... In a to a certain extent, but, yeah, it's just such an important part of our way of life, but particularly business. Absolutely. I was talking to a client yesterday, um, Chris and Simon, and he um, he said usually they have a quarterly meeting with all of their sales staff around Victoria. So the sales staff, if they're three hours from the head office, they've got to take out three hours of the day to drive there. They have a meeting that might go for four hours and then they're three hours home again or they're staying overnight, whatever. He said, now we do the three-hour meeting on Zoom and that's finished. So he said it's actually uh, putting a whole lot of time back into our days that we didn't have. So if you can make the Zoom work and all that sort of stuff, as Simon said, you know, logging into um, different sort of servers and whatever from home, if you can make it work, to a certain extent it relies on the staff and and people being diligent in, um, you know, on getting their job done. But, yeah, embracing that technology is, um, yeah, is something that's really, really important. Great tip, Chris. That's um, that's a wrap for the episode, guys. So thanks to Simon Bennett, um, partner in our accounting here at Ballarat and Geelong, and um, Chris Mulcahy, thanks for your time, boys. Thanks, uh, fellas. We'll thank see you. you next week. See you all next time and stay safe.